This program is brought to you by Haymarket Books as part of the Socialism 2022 program. You can hear more recorded sessions from the conference by subscribing to the Socialism Conference podcast feed. Many video recordings are also available at socialismconference.org. If you enjoy these recordings, keep an eye on socialismconference.org for updates about the next Socialism Conference and how you can participate. You can help support the Haymarket Project by buying books at haymarketbooks.org and especially by joining the Haymarket Book Club. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and the Haymarket YouTube channel to access all of our upcoming events. If you really want to help us out, rate and review the podcast on Apple or whatever platform you're listening on. So what's up? My name is Ashley Wooden Henderson. My homies call me Ash. I use she, her, her pronouns and any said respectfully and in right relationship. Uh, I want you to talk to me because I'm a missionary Baptist preacher's daughter and I'm used to folks responding when I say something. Um, And I am not an expert on much of anything. I want to start there because, frankly, most socialist spaces I'm in, everybody's vying and positioning to be the smartest person in the room, and that's not me. Just being straight up. So I'm, I'm setting the context now so that we all are on the same page about the expectations of what you'll get in this space. Is that cool? Can I be honest? Yeah. Okay, so I don't, I don't know a lot. I haven't read all the socialist white floating heads. Uh, honestly, I haven't read all of the black and brown ones either. Right? What I know is stuff that I've lived, and I can share that with you. I don't know everything about the South, but I am Southern and chauvinistic about it. Um, and so I'm just going to share my assessment. Um, I'm also not the person that knows every single thing about every social movement. So if you came here to debate me being wrong about something, probably going to happen. <laughs> and I'm open to that. Uh, but I just want to be real that I'm human, and I'm sensitive about my shit and my people. And if you're wrong, I'll also tell you. Cool? Yeah. We're going to do that shit with some respect? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what else should I tell you? I should tell you that I don't do lectures. Um, what I will tell you is the random series of notes that I probably wrote at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning while I was doom scrolling um, after not being able to sleep because I was thinking about what I was supposed to tell you. So um, so it might not make sense and it might not be connected and I don't care. Um, that's not true. I care. I care to the point of us being committed to actually doing something, whatever, whatever we're supposed to be learning in this space together. Cool? Y'all down to do that? So I'm going to try to get through what I wrote really quick, and again, it's just random thoughts. Um, I'm going to try, some of it is probably direct responses to shit I disagreed with that I heard throughout this conference. Um, Some of it will be specific to the South, some of it will be me saying the South, that's to not upset coastal elites that might be in this room. Um, Let me just do it. Y'all get what I'm saying. Excuse me. Yeah? Could I possibly ask that you? Speak more into the mic, take your mask off, and speak a little bit slower at the end of your session. You can ask and I can try. If I get COVID, I'm going to remember that you were wearing a UALE shirt. (laughs) (laughs) But I love UALE. It's it's a fair request. I've been accused of worse than (laughs) I'm sure. sure. Any labor educator has. (laughs) Is this better? Yeah. All right. So, here we go. Um, Y'all know 
for those of you that know me, maybe I should set just a little bit more context by knowing who you are. How many people have been to Highlander or know who Highlander is? What's up? So y'all definitely are communist trained at the communist training school. Um, you know, and how many people have heard of the Southern Movement Assembly? I see all the dream defenders in the room. Uh, how many of you are Southern? Oh, shit. I eat all the Southerners came to the Southern thing. Uh, note that they weren't kidding. Um, and how many people are Appalachian? Isn't it refreshing to actually get shouted out at a national conference? I'll get into it. Um, I see y'all and I love you. Thank you for not finding it robbery to be here with me. Um, so a lot of what I know is through both being born and raised as a Southerner, being born the daughter of a Black Panther Party member, being born into a moment of uprising in my hometown around police brutality in the 80s. That shit isn't new. Um, being born into the Black Arts Movement. My father was very heavily involved in the Black radio infrastructure of the South, uh, among other things. But I raised this other movement assembly specifically, not only because it's a dope-ass governance tool, if you don't know it and haven't heard of it, you should check out peoplesmovementassemblies.org. You should check out Southern Movement Assembly's website, south2south.org, all spelled out. Um, but what I love about, about the assembly is that it's really three questions that we ask each other every time we're together. <laughs> What's the problem? And I bet if I asked you what the problem was, you could tell me, we would spend the rest of the conference talking about it. <laughs> How many panels have you listened to so far where it was like, problem, 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 done? Um, we can talk about that. But the, the, the hardest part to me of the assembly and having facilitated lots of them is the second question, which is like, what, what's your utopian vision? <laughs> what do you want? Um, and then what's your, the third question is like, what's your faithful next step? That's like the three questions that I ask in 99% of the workshops I do. So if you ever come, it's going to probably be that. Spoiler alert. So when I started thinking about what I might talk about with you all, again, not being a lecturer and someone that is particularly uncomfortable with that kind of power dynamic, the first thing that I thought was, what's the problem? And why would we be talking about problems as socialists? How many people identify as a socialist? Okay, communist? Okay, anarchist? Okay, I don't know yet. <laughs> I often tell people that I'm a socialist as long as there's capitalism, and then when socialism happens, I'll be a communist, and I'll be a communist, and I'll be a uh, And most anarchists are communists, sorry guys. Um, JK, 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 don't be mad. <laughs> Um, but the first, the first thing I thought about was what's the problem? Why would socialists or anybody on the left be talking about this? And there's going to be some times where I contradict myself. Like, I'm going to say the left. I don't believe there is one. I believe there are multiple lefts. We'll get to that in a minute. But I thought about what is the problem? And the first sentence that came to my mind was a, a quote from a, a really incredible theologian. Um, Y'all also will learn that I believe in spirit. And I'm going to talk about it because that's who I am. Um, Religion might be the opioid of the masses, but also being a black southerner, faith is liberation. Yeah. Um, and, and in fact, you might be secular, but if you've ever chanted, ain't no power like the power of the people, because the power of the people don't stop, then I need you to give me a materialist assessment of how that is true uh, right now. If you've ever said, you know, I believe that we will win while we're losing, <laughs> I would say that you are a person of faith, even if it's in our people. Um, but the point is that this incredible professor, theologian, Gary Dorian, uh, who is a human and complicated as well, so if you know him and you have a beef, I get it. Um, he said to me once that capitalism is inherently predatory, 
And what I remembered is that not only is it inherently predatory, it is constantly in crisis, right? How many of your OGs for you all that are in cadre organizations have told you that, right? It's always in crisis. This, this moment of particular economic crisis is not new. It's always in crisis. But guess what capitalism also does? It adapts. It adapts, right? And socialism can be an incredible answer. Right? How many of you have heard organizations or people that you follow say, like, I am an anti-capitalist and feel really excited that you heard it, but they never tell you what they want? <laughs> Just me? <laughs> and so what I want, one, one of the things that I feel, whether in the context of Southern organizing or in the context of this conference, that I really feel thirsty for is for socialists to actually articulate a strategy. And you're going to hear me say that a bunch today. Socialism is the way. I'm not arguing with you about that. But socialism without a strategy means there's no transition. And that strategy has to include questions that we have all too often, for whatever reasons, I think multitudes of reasons, been unwilling to answer, including how do we keep people safe? Because socialism without abolition won't work. You can ask me why in a minute. That's the first random thought. The second random thought, because I had to figure out how to make it connect to this organizing the South thing, it was as goes the South goes, so goes the nation is not an opinion, it's a fact. That was, you could have shot it right there. That's, that's the good news. Because uh, we've been winning down there for a long time, so that means that you have a chance if you don't live in the South. If all y'all are telling y'all are If socialism, strategy or not, and I, I would argue I don't think there's a strategy, or maybe there are multitudes of strategies and we just all don't know what each other's strategies are. Any one of those things can be true or both. But if socialism is to become a reality in a U.S. context, because it's not going to be like it was everywhere else. Yeah? Yeah, yeah? If there's going to be socialism in a U.S. context, the heart of that transition, geographically, politically, etc., this is just a logical conclusion to me, is likely going to be in the largest geographic region in the United States. Guess where that is? And if we talk about the history of capitalism in the U.S., what's one of the first things that you would be like, this was, this was an example of capitalism in the U.S.? The enslavement of African-descended people, and guess where that happened? Um, and guess where the, the rest of the majority of black people still live? Ding, ding, ding. Highest concentration of black people. And then because I'm a dangerous homosexual, I would be remiss not to mention that if queers and gender, not gender expansive people are going to be the tip of the spear of revolutionary change, which I think is true, um, guess where the highest concentration of them live? San Francisco. No shade to the California. Um, it's also not Fire Island. Right? It's the U.S. South. Which is interesting because when Mo, Richard, this is not to pick on people, I promise. Raise your hand if you're not from the South. Okay, when y'all hear about the South, and, and we won't say what you talk about, but when we, when, we get, when we get to what you hear, what do you usually hear about when you talk about, when you hear about the South, not talk about, when you hear about the South, what are most people talking about? Homophobia. Homophobia. It's so racist, it's so backwards, they're so poor. You know, like, Charlotte is the Wall Street of the South. You know, but we'll get into that later. So what would happen if the socialists actually turned the camera around? Or if you're going to point it at the South, if you pointed it at us because we're solutionary, right? 
So the heart of the transition of the socialist movement, if there is to be one in a U.S. context, I would argue, cannot happen without the South. What else would I say? I would say that part of the reason that we constantly get looked at as the problem is because of the remnants of those things that you hear all the time. It's not a lie that those things exist in the South. It's also not a lie that it exists everywhere. But the, 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 the remnants, the stains of that history is a lie because Southerners lived in the past and the present and the future at the same time. But argue most marginalized people do. Um, because we can't just dismiss those things. If we believe that intersectionality exists because of identity, then you should believe that we live in the past, present, and future because of the concrete assessment of concrete conditions. Those remnants are still there and still dictate every step of every strategy about what future we want to get to, right? The fight about critical race theory, for example. I live in a state, the great state of Tennessee, and I know I have comrades here from there. It's currently a situation where K-12 students and the teachers of those classes cannot even use books in their classrooms because the women of the insurrection dictated that they are inappropriate for young people to read. Right? Most of the books that they have deemed inappropriate, you can imagine, are about black folks, or about queer folks, or about the, the, the colonization of the identity of whiteness to enslave black folks, etc. Um, so if we're having contemporary conversations that are impacting our lives because of the remnants of white supremacy's past, then we are both dealing with past issues and contemporary ones. Does that make sense? And that dictates where we can go, supposedly. We'll come back to that in a minute, too. What I would also offer is that when I said, as goes the South, what did you think about? You probably thought about somewhere between 13 or 16 mainland states, right? No. That's not All the black people are like, that's not what you said. No. You were correct. Um, <laughs> good job, correct answer. When I'm talking about the South, I mean the global South. Um, it's interesting, we were talking, Eric and I were talking about like, you know, quality over quantity of how many panels and stuff you could have in one day and people still be, you know, actually be, be able to absorb this stuff. And I, was looking at the program earlier today and I was like, oh man, the conversation about Sudan, the conversation about China, and the conversation about the US dollar all at the same time. <laughs> but we all, we, we all might have a strategy <laughs> because we're from the global south. So I would, I would just also say there's lessons to learn there. How many of you are socialists because you don't like capitalism as an economic governing structure? Yeah? Probably most of us, if we were being honest, right? But, but an economy is, does not ju just the whole of governance make. The global south has taught us this. Anybody been to South Africa? Yeah? Same. Joburg is where I went. And it's one of the most impoverished places I've ever been in my life. And one, one of the locals kept telling me, isn't it so great? You can go shop. It's like New York. And I was like, no, way, no. I, but that's not what's going to encourage me. But I raise it, every South Africa in particular, because it's a perfect example of what happens when you control the government, but you don't control the economy. Like there are other examples of what it looks like to control the economy and not control the government, right? So we lose <laughs> because we keep trying to replicate things that we've never lived <laughs> and we don't practice. Next random thought, because y'all don't hear me. There's this guy, another uh, probably social gospeler um, in the Christian faith, that uh, his name is Walter Rauschenbusch, and, and Bush, Walter Rauschenbusch, and he said, capitalism has overdeveloped the selfish instincts in us, all of us, 
and left the capacity of devotion to larger ends shrunken and atrophied. Let's say it one more time. Capitalism has overdeveloped the selfish instincts in us all, all of us, and left the capacity of devotion to larger ends shrunken and atrophied. Random thought at 3 o'clock in the morning. But what I, you know, there's ways that you could chop this quote up, right? Capitalism underdeveloped, like his overdeveloped selfish instincts, right? You could cut it there. Or you could say that it left our capacity and devotion to larger ends shrunken and atrophied, and you could cut it there. But I actually found what was most interesting about this quote is he said us all, even socialists. Even socialists, and I think how we practice socialism or the posturing of who's the, me- the most socialist or the smartest socialist is an example of how capitalism actually gets replicated in our own spaces, and I think we've seen that this week. I think that happens, uh, I think that's part of why people don't pay attention to the South. It's because it's selfish. Um, it's because wealth gets concentrated, power gets concentrated in other places that aren't the South because it would d- be dangerous if the South actually was resourced in the way that we've been the revolutionary tip of the speed. Come on, come on, come on. Next random thought. When I remember, this is like post Mike Brown being murdered in Ferguson, Missouri, um, there was another so-called black activist who, who will remain nameless because I'm a messy bitch. Um, who I had a significant problem with and I felt like media and Twitter and all social media stuff was giving this person a whole lot of uh, power that they did not earn. Um, and I remember calling Alicia Garza, who's a dear friend of mine, and going off about I was talking crazy. Yeah, I mean, you see, I'm talking now. I was talking even worse. That's my homie. So I said I was a whole lot loose lip. Um, and she listened to me, and she let me vent. And then after I finished going off, she she laughed, and she looked at me and she said, "Why are you mad?" Which made me even madder. <laughs> I was like, "You are just like And she said, "Well, then lead, Ashley." And I was like, wait, what? And she was, I was like, do you see what I'm, do- I'm doing? I'm leading, I'm working my ass off, what do you mean? And she said, when we create vacuums, someone fills it, it's not benign, right? So if I was talking to socialists about organizing the South, I would say this, based on that incredible conversation, that learning opportunity that my friend gave me, is that socialism concedes places and people um, it leaves vacuums that other people feel. Um, ask me how I know. It's because, how many of you come from rural contexts? Mm-hmm. How many of y'all would, are like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, even in urban settings, how many of y'all have faces like in the burbs? Yeah, a few, yeah. Um, how many of y'all organize people of faith? That's way more than I expected, I see y'all. Um, and bless you, because that is no small feat. Um, how many of you would say that the majority of the people that you were doing political education with to be socialists are actually from the working class? Oh, that's also more than I expected still. Good work. And I think we all know <laughs> that particularly in national formations, that the vast majority of us are sucking um, and intentionally creating 
creating situations where we don't organize in the places where our people are. That's just historically true. You can find me about it in the comments, the Q&A session. But I raise it because, again, those things aren't neutral. And I think what I would argue is that everything about our political, ideological alignment or disalignment isn't neutral. Right? What we do and don't do is not neutral as socialists. And in a moment where I would articulate, and y'all can fight me about this too, that fascism and authoritarianism is nearly a foregone conclusion. Um, and in fact, I, you know, seeing my comrades from Florida and Tennessee, I'm like, we already are there. <laughs> Um, in some ways, um, DeSantis is a fascist. Period. Pence is a fascist. Um, period. Like, Pete, fight me. Um, that us not having a strategy and pretending like just us being an ideological debate is enough um, is not neutral. And that lives depend on us actually answering the question. Next random thought. Uh, this is where this is definitely not my 4 a.m. rant. This is my after being here for a day rant. Uh, I was just, you know, I was meditating, talking to the black baby Jesus, and I said to him, "Being, you know, you know, this song, some of y'all are Christians or like like trying surviving Christianity people. I get it. <laughs> I know that life." Um, but I was, I was thinking about talking to him, thinking about my ancestors. And some of y'all know that song, Jesus Be Offense. Or at least if you're Southern, you know the line. I use that line a lot, but I don't want him to be offense. I want him to be at the end of generalizations. Um, the left has this. Or the left never does this. How many times? You know, if you drink the, the drink of your choice every time you heard that in the last week, uh, we, but we'd all either be really, really, really caffeinated or really, really hydrated or very drunk. This absolute thing, this industrial complex that is neither industrial or necessarily a complex. There's one left. There's no left. None of that's true. I pray for the end of good sound bites that are terrible theory. We need a school. You have one. Etc. I pray that Jesus be a concrete and specific analysis of concrete and specific conditions. And I pray for Jesus to be a strategy. And then I thought about the great Marxist. Any Italians in the room? I see you, what's up? Uh, you're about to get excited because I'm going to talk about Gramsci. He said, pessimism of the intellect, but optimism of the will. Because when I finished my rant about the Jesus B, I was annoyed <laughs> um, and feeling pessimistic about the future of there being a like, solid, cohesive, aligned, even if disagreeable, left. And then I remembered optimism of the will. The reason that we might have a chance is because we keep showing up. <laughs> we keep having uncomfortable conversations. Uh, we do believe in study. That's a strength of socialism. It's important to be smart. It's important to be excellent and to demand excellency. If you don't get anything else in Southern organizing, you're going to get pushed to be excellent for the sake of our people. 
But it's also really important to be as excellent in your spitting of theory as you are a listener. That's serving the people. And I don't mean just like, our food not bombs, savior complexes. I mean like really serving them based on what they said they wanted. Not just backseat driving. I think sometimes the multiple lifts treat the South like the girlfriend that you never actually asked out. Let me break it down. I love metaphors, so y'all just about to have to run this rabbit hole. And then I have one more and then I'm going to show. Have you ever, just, uh, I need a volunteer, because I'm going to need somebody's consent to do this. And you're going to get to date me. What's your name? Ingrid. Ingrid, it's a pleasure to meet you. So I just met Ingrid. Like, literally just met her. It's a pleasure. So imagine if just right now I said, Ingrid and me go together. Ingrid would probably be a little surprised, right? Because I didn't talk, I didn't even ask for you to say that, right? And I'm like, I love her. I love her, and I would do anything for her. I would be a revolutionary. I would burn this whole shit down for Ingrid. But what if when I inevitably talked to Ingrid, Ingrid was like, I don't want you to burn the shit down. I just, I want you to know my name. Because I don't know, I don't even know your last name, Ingrid. Pleasure. I don't know your favorite color. I don't know your mama name. I don't know what board you with. Right? Like, I just made a whole lot of assumptions about how you want to be loved, but I never really asked you, did I? Yeah. So if I said, hey, working class, <laughs> I love you. I'll burn this whole bitch down. I'm a revolutionary. The, the working class might say, what are you doing that's revolutionary since you're calling yourself that? And I might not have a really good answer. I might be like, I read Marx. They'd <laughs> be like, no. <laughs> I, I started a co-op in capitalism. <laughs> right? I, you know, this, that, or the other. But that happens with the South, too, right? It's like, I love you, Southerners. But the second it floods, oh, it snows. The second it snows, we're a joke, right? Y'all ain't got salt. Y'all ain't got snowplows. But you don't know that our infrastructure is literally not built to withstand ice. We'll send you like Uber Eats. Well, that's great, except the bridges are out. Right? But like, how are all y'all dying of COVID? That's so dumb. Just wear the mask, you hillbilly. Well, that'd be great. And I did wear the mask, but I still got COVID because my governor won't mandate masks. And because he didn't expand Medicaid. And so guess what that meant? Rural hospitals closed and doctors and nurses fled to other places where they could actually afford to work. I'm not dying because I'm an idiot. I'm dying because the state has abandoned me. And it's sometimes not the great left that is actually building the social safety net to save me. It's regular ass people who don't know Marx. But they can spit that theory probably better and more eloquently than any one of us. Right? Just because they say people over profit doesn't make them a worse socialist. But we don't ask them how they want to be loved. And we don't practice it, we assume. But again, we keep showing up. We keep trying, we keep having uncomfortable conversations. Some of us still do crit self-crit. 
I, I see like the three communists that are like, yeah! <laughs> but my last and final thought before we open it up, and again, thanks for being in my ramble with me, is that there are multiple truths that exist at the same time in Southern organizing and Black organizing and working class organizing and building a socialist front. And what I want Jesus to be, if he doesn't answer any of my other prayers, is to be is to be supportive of us being able to hold nuance. And not for the sake of liberalism, before you say it, that's not what I mean, but because you cannot tell me that you believe in dialectics and then tell me that multiple things can't be true. (laughs) That nonprofits can be destructive, but that also there are nonprofits who are making a fucking way out of no way. That hierarchy can be a disaster, but that democratic centralism can be good. Yeah. Let me give you an example. Uh, Ingrid, can I pick on you? Oh, let, let me give another one too. There might be somebody else that wants me to love them today. Tell me your name. John. John, what's up, John? Good to see you. Um, so, John, let's say something is happening in your brain, but we've decentralized everything. And I say. This is an extreme metaphor, y'all. Just ride with me. And I say, John, I wanna, I watch Grey's Anatomy. Give me a shot. You might be like, actually, in this moment, a hierarchy of prioritizing someone who was like a doctor might be smart here, right? Well, then I would argue that if we're building a revolution, that sometimes prioritizing people who have actually done it might be smart. Even if I read all books, okay, that maybe a material assessment yeah. might mean that there are some people who have a lot of knowledge that we might should listen to. Which also doesn't mean that there are people who are brand new to this shit that don't have real, real shit to say about what we should be doing because of their lived experiences. Right. Both things could be true. <laughs> Jesus be the defense of complexity. Jesus be the truth. We can have all the critique about how critical race theory is actually the right wing's attempt at manipulating the truth. But if we were being honest, the more we say socialism is one thing that most of us have never built, we're not being honest either. That we have the answers to how we will keep people safe in the absence of uh, you know, what they've always known. If we don't actually struggle and sharpen each other and practice and learn and assess fuck up and win and be able to answer the question of how we keep people safe, we are lying. We are lying. We're not telling the whole truth and I was taught that the whole truth is the truth. <laughs> and that anything less than that is not. Unless we say we don't know. Jesus be the truth that we don't always know. That we don't always know how to bring about the socialist revolution that we want to see or the communist one or anarchist one, whatever, whatever. Pick your poison. Jesus be some humility. Yes. That, that it's okay to be vulnerable and soft and not have all the answers in a time where most people feel confused. Jesus be the abolition of the fear to lead, even if we lose. To have a beginner's mind and some fucking curiosity. To recognize that accountability without grace is just punishment. Oh, without grace is just punishment. But that grace without accountability is complicity. 
I just want us to actually recognize that being human as we build whatever socialism is supposed to be is actually what will make our movements, movements plural, our lefts plural, accessible enough to the people that are supposed to be leading it in the first place. That that might be the thing that Boss Ramen helps us win. Uh, and that's what I know about the South. So I'm going to stop there, and I'm going to open it up for us to just rap with each other. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, subscribe to our podcast and to the Haymarket Books YouTube channel, where events like this one are hosted live. And don't forget to check out haymarketbooks.org.